Well, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Before we move into our conversation, stick with me for just a minute. I want to give you two opportunities to improve, bolster, to invest in your leadership as we head to the fall. Now, I'm not trying to freak you out. There's still plenty of summer left. As a matter of fact, it's super hot right now where I am. And there's still plenty of fun things to do, plenty of rest to be had and experiences to take part in. But fall is quickly approaching. We can't stop it. It's going to be here before we know it. And I want to encourage you to be looking ahead and start thinking proactively of where you want to be in the next three to six months. And a couple of ways you can do that, and you can find all the information in the show notes, is one, if you haven't received our Tuesday tune-up yet, you can head over to TuesdayTuneUp.com, opt-in. Yes, it's an email. But it's brief, it's short, it's highly practical, highly curated, and there are tools and tweaks in there to help you tune up your leadership on a weekly basis. The other opportunity is to join us in the Right Side Up community. Now, we know that social media can be an interesting and volatile place, but we've worked very hard to cultivate a rich community of almost a 1,000 leaders who've come together to receive access to our coaching team, our coaching network. We've got exclusive videos that take place over in there, deep conversations where people are having their leadership invested, learning from one another through the power of collective genius, and benefiting from access to our Stay Fort Designs resources, all available for the price of $0. So all the information you can find right in the show notes below. It'll be linked, just a couple of clicks, and you'll be on your way. So Tuesday tune-up in the Right Setup community, highly practical, highly valuable, two great ways to proactively take next steps as we head towards the fall. So our conversation today is one that I'm really excited about. Um, we're talking to a friend of Stay Forth a partner to Stay Forth, and also a coach on our Stay Forth network. So what are we getting into today? Alan has a meaningful conversation, a very practical conversation with Austin Walker, who is part of the Apex Leadership Institute. And once a year, they hold a phenomenal gathering with about 20 people that come together from all over the country for about 40 hours. They turn off their phones they sit, they're together, they're coming to not care for anyone, but simply to be cared for. That's very important. See, oftentimes as leaders, we run in circles where relationships are unintentionally transactional, where people are approaching us wanting to know how we can help them. It's how we're wired. We find meaning in helping others take next steps to, to climb the mountains they've been called to climb, to get from where they are to where they want to be. But as we do that, we can fall into a gap of neglecting ourselves. Our ability to lead someone and others well begins and ends with our own health. Someone once told me one of the most practical pieces of leadership advice ever was, if you want to have a sustaining, lasting impact, draw a three-foot circle around yourself and focus on everything inside of that three-foot circle. Focus on your own leadership. Pay attention to it. Never neglect it. And that's why Apex gathering exist to help leaders come to be recharged to be poured into so that the spaces inside of that three-foot ring are overflowing when they leave and they can leave back into the marketplace wherever they serve whether it's vocationally in ministry or in the in the business nonprofit marketplace to help others take their next right steps from a place of replenishment not operating from a deficit so guys zoom out these things matter the topics in this conversation are deeply important sit back enjoy this episode of the right side of leadership podcast austin walker my man welcome to right side up leadership podcast thank you it's great to be here yes sir all right man so you do a lot um love to hear what some of that a lot is here in a little bit but first of all kind of narrow in, um, what is the heart of what you are helping leaders 
uh, all over the country do in different ways? Uh, we exist, uh, an organization called Apex Leadership Institute. We have a gathering called Apex Gathering, and uh, we uh, sp specifically focus on helping kingdom leaders uh, to climb the mountains that God has uniquely designed them to climb. And so spend a lot of time focusing on unique design, um, helping people to just continue to uh, step forward, continue to climb the mountains directly in front of them. And uh, we do that specifically through helping people just kind of take space. Um, and uh, really more importantly, these last couple of years have found that there's just a huge hunger for community, a huge hunger for people to be able to spend time together. So that's the majority of, of what we do in the uh, Apex context. I've got my hands in a bunch of other things. I think I kind of have like uh, leadership ADD. I have to have my hands in four or five different things. Um, but uh, Some would say. Others would say it's a portfolio. Others would say okay, it's yeah. an extension. I actually don't buy that, that you're doing too much in different areas. I think you're doing one thing. I think it has different prongs. I think it has different extensions. And you and I talk about that a lot um, yeah. in that others may think, man, how are you doing all of this? But it connects. It connects somewhere. And, and I know um, progressively in the future, you're going to see it connect more. Um, I entered the Apex conversation in an interesting place. And I want to capture that for the podcast. Um, talk about the gatherings that you were doing with Apex. Talk about a, a particular shift in your thinking and then talk about now what's happening in your gatherings. Yeah, we initially founded it with this idea of we have, you know, there's 3000 person com conversations and conferences that happen around the country. And then you get on the airplane and you fly back home and you find yourself in rural North Dakota or whatever, wherever your church is at or wherever your um, insurance agency is at. And you don't have anybody to call when it hits the fan. And so really out of that felt like God was calling us to start something that would have an opportunity where when it hits the fan that you have somebody that you, a lifeline that you could call, somebody that you could call and have a conversation with somebody who has trench tested experiences um, like your own and can kind of uh, share resources and encouragement and help you to stay in the game for the long term. And so we went out of the gate. Um, I feel like it was mostly me and just like chasing the American dream because bigger is always better is what the world continues to tell us. And so we had, you know, two, three, 400 person conferences, flying in speakers from around the country. Um, and it wasn't accomplishing what we wanted it to do. And so uh, we, we just made a pivot, made a switch um, about four years ago. And what we're calling it is intentionally intimate. And so we went to experiences where we limited to 25 kingdom leaders uh, getting in the room and just came to the conclusion that we believe that if Jesus could change the world with 12 people, uh, we probably couldn't do it with 12. So we probably needed at least double that. And so we decided that if we could get the right 24 leaders in the room, uh, that we believe that the world could change and it could be a different place and that leaders could uh, take their next right step, um, as you like to say it. So so what does is, what is that gathering now take shape and feel like? Because it's really easy to understand a conference. A couple hundred people in a room, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, um, been to the booth, got the free pens that nobody wants. Um, what does it feel like now? Welcome us into your new Apex gatherings. Uh, it feels like family. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably the best way to describe it. It is It is show up. It is, it's 40 hours together. And so we start um, on a morning on a Friday, and then uh, we end late afternoon on Saturday. And we do that specifically because we have people who are part of the marketplace and who are part of ministry. And so our focus is anybody who wants to further the kingdom. And so we gather together, uh, intimate setting. We meet in a in a home. And so it's not in a conference center. It's not at a hotel. Uh, we meet in somebody's home and uh, spend some time uh, just in a living room setting. 
and uh, worship isn't on a stage. Speakers aren't on stages. It's really more conversational um, and everything is together. And then also there are um, just experiences and challenges. It's very conversational. Um, and so we really feel like the magic of what we do is really found in the fact that we are nimble enough because we're small enough to where we can make an experience happen. And we can really, if we needed to chase a rabbit and it would take a little bit extra time, but really feel like the room needs to go there, that we have the ability to be fluid and to really go that direction. And so family is probably the best description. We eat family style meals. Um, everyone's together. We break off into groups to be able to have conversations um, and stuff like that. But really family is probably the best way to describe it. I've been honored to be at two of those gatherings and then to continue to point leaders this way. What you're doing is phenomenal, but listeners, you need to zoom out and hear some of the principles behind this because it isn't just, we decided to shift. I would guess there were shifts in Austin that were happening. Um, I would guess that there are shifts in other leaders you were hearing and a conference is just unable to meet those. Um, and then probably in macro our culture shifting away from certain events and towards certain events, even before COVID hit. And so just to be clear, this was before COVID, this was proactive, this was not reactionary based on what we had to do with COVID. Um, but Austin, I want to hear first about you. How does it feel different to try to wrangle two, three, 400 cats, uh, also known as leaders, into a room versus to, I don't know, guide uh, 24 incredible leaders into that space? How does that feel different to you? Uh, it feels really vulnerable. I think it's probably the best way to describe Why? it. Like, there's there's no hiding behind a stage. <laughs> there's no there's no green room. Uh, there's no there's no gap between us. Like there there's no pedestal. There is nothing that separates us. And really, it's it's good and bad. I mean, there is a, an intimacy that's there, which is great, and there is a connection that's great. But there's also a place where like these people, they know me, like they know me intimately. They have my cell phone number. They have contact with me. They have connection with me. And so I think oftentimes the, the problem with large conferences is that you can produce and, and talk about a big theory and a big idea and say like, we should all be kind of trying to do this new thing, but like we have to live it out because we are face to face. It's a skin to skin relationship. And so I think that vulnerability has uh, probably a negative connotation in the world, but I think that it's the brilliance uh, of, of kingdom leadership. I think that that vulnerability and that face-to-face, skin-to-skin type of relationship is really what, what where the magic really takes mm-hmm. place. It's obviously like we saw it in the relationship with Jesus and his closest uh, disciples, but like that's what it feels like. It feels like life with family, and that's vulnerable. Then that next layer of pain points that a lot of these leaders are experiencing. Can you give, you know, three, four, five of those pain points that you feel like this gathering and even the network that's, that's kind of spurred off of this directly meets? I think leaders are lonely. Um, and, and even, even in the sense of they're surrounded by people, I think leaders are really, really lonely. I think that we, we as kingdom leaders, we run in circles where somebody always wants something from us. Um, and oftentimes that doesn't convert to a relationship with us. Um, it's not, it's not what, uh, I really want to spend time with Austin. It's what can Austin do for me? What mm-hmm. can Austin do for my organization? And so I think that that's probably across the board. I think leaders are lonely. Um, I also think that leaders are, uh, are overworked and tired. And so they don't have any time to take space. They don't have any time to really just sit and to focus on their relationship with Christ and really to dream a little bit. 
And so that's, those are really, really major pinpoints. And then uh, I think the vulnerability piece is another big one. I don't think that there's a lot of spaces where vulnerability is, is, is allowed that it's like, you have to kind of have everything together and kind of put this happy face on uh, because you can only take uh, your, your, your people as far as you can go yourself. And so if you're struggling and you're broken and you have these issues, like, well, you can't really lead anybody. That's what the world would tell us. And so those are probably the three major pinch points that I see. And then those spiral off into so many other areas where it just becomes super disorienting, where you lose direction, you can't see the mountain that God's uniquely designed you to climb, and you struggle to actually take your next step towards what God's trying to move you towards. Yeah, that information overload and overwhelm is massive. Um, which manifests itself in what I call PCD, post-conference depression, where you head home and you begin to realize somewhere on the plane, there's actually no way to tell your team, your company, your nonprofit, your congregation, any of the stuff you learn, let alone your spouse or one friend. Here is my big takeaway. And I realized even from a lot of those experiences um, that the place was maybe more magical or one connection was more magical or helpful a meal I'll never remember. And it was the gathering of the people that was incredible. Um, I don't actually remember all those talks. And truth be told, I skipped a lot of them because I was hanging out with people outside of that who I normally couldn't get access to in the same place. Uh, And so I I think we all kind of realize there's something broken about that big system, but you guys are actually making changes on that. Lift up one more layer from Austin and then from the leaders that you talk with, get to experience and and minister to, connect through Apex Leadership, culturally. Culturally as a whole, why do you think we're hungering for these smaller gatherings right now? I just think the uh, the currency of culture is experience right now. I just think experiences are the, the currency of our culture right now, overall. I mean, look at everything that people are trying to do. I think COVID made it really, really clear. Like people could no longer go to concerts anymore. And people are like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just go to a live concert. And like, it really made people realize that being in and experiencing life with other people was so, so significant. And, and really we, we live in this information superhighway. Like it's no longer about just what you just kind of mentioned. It's like, we don't need to go to a conference to get access to the greatest content in the world. It's available for free on a million different podcasts, in millions of different books, in millions of different spaces. And yet we are reading all this stuff and we're leading at a super high capacity and no one knows us and nobody knows our struggle. And that experience is that way to get in there. And so I think culturally, people are just looking for a place to go and to be known, to take a breath. And it's, it's creating exponential growth down the road. Like it's allowing them to take a step back so that they can take a step forward. And culturally, it's it's the need everywhere. And I think the leaders that are taking their taking their organizations to the next level are the leaders that are willing to take a step back for exponential growth down the line. And it's scary because yeah. you're turning the model from something that we know, right? You people get on a plane or drive in order to get in a room in order to hear content. We know that, been there. And yet there's this deep hunger that, uh, many others, and I'd say a few, I'm starting to hear more of these gatherings popping up. One of these was deeply Im- impactful in your life and um, the last several years. I don't want to unpack every bit about it, but what did being involved closely with a few men for a few years teach you that you couldn't have learned anywhere else? Man, it was the, there's a lot, there's a lot that it taught. I think the the major thing that it taught is that it's worth it. 
like in, in the midst of like, literally I'm fighting my natural wiring to say it's not worth it. And then being put into this setting to where these guys aren't letting me off the hook because we entered into this, whatever, not an official covenant relationship, but in being introduced to one another and feeling common ground in the loneliness, in the struggle, in the brokenness, saying, I'm not going to let you off the hook when you don't want to be in this, really being taught that now being a couple of years out from it, like just being so, so clear that it's still worth it. Like, like above all things is worth it to engage and to be known and to be in that kind of relationship, even when it's hard, because the world says, just cancel it just cancel them, just be done with them, just go the other way. Like you don't need friends. Like you just kind of lock in, go to the cabin in the woods and you'll be fine. Like you're good to go. And yet nothing could be further from the truth. Like no being known and belonging and having people that are in your corner, um, even when you're trying to tell them to get out of your corner um, is just so, so valuable. And so that lesson above all lessons um, really has really been special and has really longevity wise has been a lifeline. Like that has been something that has walked me through not just bad days, not just bad weeks, but bad seasons um, of like week after week after week. Uh, but knowing that I could always fall back on this place that I'm still truly known uh, by a handful of people, even even in my brokenness. I'm going to air some dirty laundry right here of yours, Austin. So this should be fun for me, at least. There was a moment we talked and you were considering not going to one of those gatherings. It was a gathering in a beautiful place. And you were like, man, not feeling great. So I probably won't go. Grateful that you yeah. ended up going. You ended up being deeply impacted. And we're so glad you were. I believe that micro moment for you is actually kind of a cultural moment we're in where people are asking, is it worth it? Talk directly to that leader that says, man, I don't know if it's worth it. Spend money, spend time, spend some of my heart, spend some of time that would be with my family, with my team, with my congregation. Like it's real. The battle yeah. to get on the plane, the battle to drive, the battle to try to get those people together. You've gotten together for years. Talk to that leader right now in that moment of decision. First thing I would say is, is you, I get it. I understand that thought. I mean, what Alan just said is totally true. I've been in that spot. I would say trust the process and understand that if you want to use a, a mountain climbing analogy, you know, God uniquely designing us to climb a mountain in front of us. There like you, you can't see through the fog, like all of the minutia, all of the brokenness, all of the hurt and pain and isolation that you're experiencing. Think about it like fog in front of you. You can't see the peak right now and you can't see the next base camp. You might not even be able to see the next step, but understanding that there's value in going and being known in again, stopping back from what the world says you should be doing creates an opportunity for you to take a step forward in what you could be doing. Like that's what pivots away from, from the moment that you, you decide to actually get on the plane. Um, and it is only, it's only in grit. Like all I'm telling you is it's going to require a heck of a lot of grit because there's going to be a ton of reasons why you shouldn't go. And just saying like, I, I need to trust the process and understand that there is value in this, um, that being able to take space and take a step back and should just, the idea that I'd say is protect the asset. You know, like to be able to invest in yourself um, is not going to return void and other people will still be there. The problems will still be there. The needs will still be there, but taking a step back and investing in number one, like priority one a is you, because if you're empty, if you're unhealthy, 
you can't offer anything to your organization, to your family, to your spouse, to anybody. And so just understand that there's blinders on that you can't see. There's fog in front of you that you can't understand. And it's worth it to get to get up and to get on the plane and to go because it, it will be worth it. It won't be perfect. Like when I decided to go, it wasn't perfect. Like I, there was many moments where I'm like, why on earth am I here? And it was just the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't see it. In that moment, I couldn't see through my hurt. I couldn't see through the pain that I was experiencing. But on the flip side of it, God's just been super faithful. Um, and these guys have been super faithful to me. And so I just say, uh, get on the plane and trust the process. Let's name that irony is that when you needed it most, you were most ready to quit on it. And that's what I find the, the liminal moment before coaching. When I'm so discombobulated, that's the time I don't want to go to a coach when I desperately need it. Um, yep. When I lack clarity, I don't even have enough clarity to know that I need somebody else. When I'm tired, I don't realize I need to be replenished because my brain can't even realize how tired I am. And friends, as you listen, and we call you friends, by the way, on this podcast for a reason. We hope to meet at one of these experiences. We hope to share a meal together. We hope to laugh. We hope to cry together. We hope to climb something together. Um, we hope to play Olympics like you do in Apex. I mean, I just want to throw this out there that I'm a, a one-time Olympic champion, one, and unfortunately, Austin, probably one ever, but I did yeah. win co-win the Apex Olympics. If I can just, it's kind of why we had this whole episode. Let's be real. Everything else is kind of just a setup for that. Just wanted to air that. Yeah, just, you know, still have the, the trophy at home that was spray painted. Um, but we hope to be with you off of the air. We hope to be at a meal. We hope to be around a table. And I just want to emphasize that, friends, is that in the moment where you feel like you least need it, it could be the moment and probably should be the moment that you ask somebody else, help me lean in. I may not be able to lean in. Help me lean in. I don't have the funding. I've never helped somebody get onto a stay forth experience who didn't want to be there. I just, I won't. If I say, Austin, do you want to join us? And you say, no. All right, we'll find the next hungry person. I'd rather have one less person at the experience than to push somebody into it. But man, when somebody wants to fight for it, there are people that want to help resource you. There are scholarship funds. Stay forth has a scholarship fund to help you get there. Apex helps leaders get there to however you can uh, and that's where I feel so much of that common thread between us. A couple more minutes, Austin. I want to do a bit of a lightning round, if you will, to close us out. Uh, we're going to go all over the map here. First of all, a moment you'll never forget from an Apex experience. Uh, we shared a uh, we shared a five course meal um, on Friday of this last year's event, and uh, as the as the meals came out, there was uh, there's 21 of us sitting around a, a uh, an 18 foot table actually that I built. And uh, sat there and listened to leaders um, brag about themselves um, under the under the guise of saying we don't get to to talk about the things that we feel proud of, um, and to listen to some of the things that these leaders were proud of that nobody else knew about was a really really special moment. Like tears were shed, laughter was shared, like just a moment where people felt like they could truly be safe and just say like I'm really proud of the fact that like I've I've led this Bible study for with, with sixth grade boys for 15 years. You know, I'm so proud that I uh, that I took this job that I wasn't equipped for, um, but was able to do it. And so, listening to to leaders um, share that, I mean, I think it'd be obvious to say that you know, you winning the Apex Olympics was a pretty memorable moment. But other Thank than you. that, I think that the, the table the table moment was pretty powerful. Thank you. I received that one thing that you said, an experience you have always wanted to do but haven't done yet. 
like just like a bucket list experience or bucket list experience, something you want to do, you just haven't done yet. I would love to, I would love to whitewater raft the Colorado river. One thing that replenishes you on a regular basis. Solitude, time and space, quiet. A person in your life besides your amazing wife that you want to give a shout out to because they're the real deal. My mentor, Dave, he lives in Milwaukee. Uh, him and I have a 30-minute conversation every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And he he is one of the most life-giving people I've ever been in contact with. And he ends every one of our conversations. He says, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're a good man. And like that is a life-changing phrase to be spoken over you every single week. And so he's an amazing, amazing man. If you could snap your fingers and something can magically happen to leaders all over the country, what do you hope it is? I wish they could see all the fruit of their labor. I wish they could see the the things that are happening. One place you would absolutely love to lead an experience in. New Zealand. A person who you would love to have a meal with, and yes, they have to be alive. Mark Batterson. And last question, and lead us out on this one, a verse in Scripture that you not only have read and processed, but that continues to read you, shape you, and make you into the man you are and are becoming. Share with us that scripture and why it's impacted you. I think it's tied to the meal that I want to share with Mark Batterson. Um, it's a scripture that he mentioned inside of his, his book, Win the Day. And it talks about um, just the passage where it says, give us this day our daily bread. And uh, I've just been focusing on on that passage inside of inside of the book. It talks about how uh, we wish that it read, uh, "Give us this year our yearly bread, give us this month our monthly bread, give us this week our weekly bread." But it doesn't. It says, "Give us this day our daily bread," because we don't naturally want to be dependent on God daily. We would much rather spend our time piling things up so that we could be lazy. And uh, that's something I have been, uh, I've been praying every day on my drive to the office and uh, just saying, God, like, give me, give me this day, my daily bread and help me to, to fight from, from trying to pile things up and uh, just being able to focus on today and focus on what I'm called to, where I'm at and the person right in front of me. I don't have to have five years from now figured out because um, it's just, it's just worthless. And so I'm just continually leaning into that. It's probably been it's probably been a six, six week process for me uh, to be able to do that. The previous two months from that was, uh, I was just praying that, that God would search me and find any unrighteousness in me. And so that's a scary and dangerous prayer to pray. Um, but uh, those have been the two things that have really been a lifeline for me um, over this past season is just uh, God search me for any unrighteousness. And then also give me this day, uh, my daily bread and help me to trust you for the rest. Austin, my man, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're a good man. I'm glad to know you. And friends, go check out Apex Leadership. You can find him in the show notes. Keep up the good work, my friend. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks. Shot.